0: Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club, on Foobar Radio.
1: Yeah, we're, we're off! Hello! Um, my, my, welcome to... Oh, God. Um, welcome to another edition of Fan Club. <laughs> never, no. never, ever introduced it like that. Now I feel thrown. I feel thrown <laughs> by the introduction. Um, You're listening to Fun Size Family Five Star Fan Club, and uh, we are your hosts. My name is Nick Helm, and I'm joined ably by... Nathaniel Metcalf. Nathaniel Metcalf, uh, on the decks. Um, so... Uh, the yeah, wheels of steel. The wheels of steel. <laughs> um, I've got... Is it... Okay, right. Uh, here's a question. Is it muggy today? Oh, do you know what? It is muggy. I've
2: right. just... Uh, and I've just realised quite how muggy it is.
1: I think I've got quite a muggy room. Right, yeah. I, I, I can't tell whether I've got COVID or whether it's just <laughs> inclement weather. Sure.
2: Um, well, I did see you yesterday, so we might have both have COVID. Well, yeah. Yeah. Right, passed I'm... it to each other. Um, that was my first time out yesterday. Went to the, the pub with you, Nick. That was the first time in a pub. First but time It was all
1: right, wasn't it? It was absolutely fine.
2: Absolutely fine.
1: Um, uh, Lovely yeah. company. Say again? Lovely company. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was fine. Um, so... <laughs> no, great. Uh, but it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a problem because we did basically do our, um, weekly podcast, uh, uh, <laughs> at a pub table and, uh, we didn't record it, so now that we're here that's today. That's fine. this is fine. We've got to re-bottle lightning. Um, so, uh, first rule of fan club is tell your friends about fan club. Second rule of fan club is, please, for the love of God, tell your friends. Tell oh, your friends. Um, it's a bit of a weird one. So, we, today we're recording on a Monday, even though it's going to be broadcast on a Friday, because uh, Nathaniel has to go back to work, um, uh and so we basically had. This is the shortest s- distance between shows that we've had, I think. So uh, yeah, we've only had a couple of days where we haven't. So basically, yeah, this is our second <laughs> second so show. We basically,
2: of- had two days away from each other, which we ruined by seeing each other yesterday.
1: Yeah, and uh, and and now it's like. So get ready, strap br- br- yourselves in for some weak sauce chats. Um. <laughs> Having said that, um, I watched Evil Dead 2 last night. Well done. Um, and, um, because we were talking about Bruce Campbell yesterday. I thought, do you know what? (sighs) Do you know what I haven't seen in three weeks? Evil Dead 2. (laughs) So, I watched Evil Dead 2. It's the first time it's ever occurred to me, right? I know the first five minutes is uh, a recap, right, of Evil Dead 1, right? I get that, right? But within the first five minutes... So his girlfriend gets possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, she goes off into the woods. She comes out and she attacks him. And in self-defense, he grabs a shovel and decapitates her, right? Now, he must, at that point, still be trying to work out what's going on, you know? He's like, well, the hell, she suddenly got possessed by an evil spirit. God, God knows what, what got into her, right? So, he digs a shallow grave and buries her. He's got a car. Why doesn't he just... Like, when you watch it, you just go, why hasn't he just loaded her into the car? Why is he... What's he planning on doing? Just spending the rest of the night in the cabin anyway? Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I've killed my girlfriend. Yeah. So, he says like, well, I'll I'll dig the body, because I'm pretty sure that her parents and her family... And all of her friends—they—they—they, they, 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 either they won't have any questions, or they'll be happy for me to just uh, do the ceremony all by myself. The minute she's dead, while she's still warm. And if I'm they gonna, ask, they just go, "She's somewhere over there." T- I put a little uh, cross in the ground for her. Do you know what I mean? It's just sort mm. of like he doesn't—he doesn't even think about it. hes hes, he's killed her, and his very first—his very first decision is, "Oh, well, I'll just uh, dig a shallow grave." Dispose of the body that way, and then I'm gonna probably go to bed early. I think. Uh, I tell you what, the film must be
2: such a high-octane thrill, Nick, because how many times have you seen it without ever questioning it? Uh,
1: probably over seven thousand. Yeah, you I've go. never questioned it. I've never questioned. That's probably it. good, a good thing then, right? They're doing something, right? Well, probably, but it's fucking jarring when you actually realise. But what is also, I think, that so there's a lot of chat about, like, uh, what's the better film, Evil Dead 2, uh, or fan favourite, Army of Darkness. Um, Evil Dead 2 is probably the better film. Um, But I think one of the things that makes it, makes those two films, because we were talking about the uh, El Mariachi trilogy uh, Mm -hmm. the other week, and I watched uh, Desperados and uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Uh, under your, uh, recommendation, I mean, you were saying basically you shouldn't watch them back to back. And you did, didn't you? I did. Yes, I watched them straight, straight back to back. watched Desperados, and then Once Upon a Time in Mexico, one a night. Um, and, um, yeah. There's some really good bits in Once Upon a Time in Mexico. My point really is the fact that it's a trilogy of films that is just absolutely, completely disjointed. They, it barely hangs together as a trilogy. Although I think the first and the second film work really well together. But as mm-hmm. soon as you add the third one, because all three of them are so different, it, it retroactively makes the first one not really fit with the second one. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, as, as, as as a couple of films, they're great. El, uh, uh, El Mariachi and Desperados. But um, as a, when, when you put Once Upon a Time in Mexico in, it's so different that it's kind of crazy. So, I thought that about the Evil Dead films, really. You, you, the, the, I, although I think it's a good trilogy, I think it works as a trilogy. But um, uh, you've got Army of Darkness, which is so vastly different from Evil Dead that a lot of the diehard horror fans found it disappointing. There's a lot more plot in it for a start, because mm-hmm. Evil Dead is literally Bruce Campbell in a cabin killing demons. Evil Dead 2, the same thing. And then Army of Darkness is a medieval adventure romp uh, where he's um, fighting Ray, Harry, House and skeletons. And, you know, it's, it's, it's totally different. But I think the main difference is 50%, maybe 60% of Evil Dead 2 is a silent movie. It's basically, it's, a, it's like a Buster Keaton short. Everything works silent. Like, he, he'll occasionally say something, but he's on his own for most of the film. And whenever you go back to the um, uh, Billy Joe and um, uh, the other guys, you know, you've got the four guys that are coming to the cabin. Whenever you get to that, there's sort of like dialogue and they're chatting a bit, but those bits are always really boring to me. And then when you get back to the cabin, it's just Bruce Campbell that's... And it's, it's like a silent performance, like uh, his, all his facial expressions. He even makes his ear move at one point. You know, and you just think, oh, my God, what a talent. You can even do ear acting, you know? <laughs> I'd say um, something interesting is that both Evil
2: Dead 2 and Desperado both work as kind of sequels and remakes Yeah, of the prequel.
1: Yeah. And I think that um, didn't... um Was it before Desperado? I think it was before Desperado. So based on El Mariachi, uh, Robert Rodriguez requested to get the script for Evil Dead 2 so he could learn how to write an action film. Oh, really? That makes so, sense. So Evil Dead 2 was sort of like a really big influence on him for uh, Desperado.
2: As it was huge, wasn't it, for all that kind of generation of non-film
1: school directors. Evil Being Dead 2. Huge, yeah. It's huge, but also Evil Dead, I suppose, because mm. well, Evil Dead 2 is like the one that's like... It was like... Um, it was around that era, wasn't it, when you had Peter Jackson doing kind of like uh, Braindead. Yeah, but it was before Braindead. And it was one of those things, what do you call it, Splatstick, where it's like a slapstick horror movie, which is just, so it's just, it's, just, it's genuinely funny and it's sort of scary in places and it's uh, disgusting in places and it's kind of, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Right. evil dead 2 but evil dead 1 is one of those films like if it's kind of like um it was like 18 20 year old you know 18 mm-hmm. year old 20 year old people making evil dead and you can see all the scenes, do you know what i mean <coughs> you see the shots and you can um either you can work it out how they did the effects or um or you know, you just read about it a little bit and you realise that, you know, when they do all of the um the dead eyed vision when they're being chased through the woods, they basically just got a plank of wood and put uh, taped a camera into the middle of the plank of wood and then they got a guy at either end and they uh, ran through the woods and it sort of gave it like this steady cam thing because the, the the camera was bang in the middle of the of the plank. And it's kind of like, it's so handmade and homemade that it's all, almost just like, if you just study Evil Dead, it's like a film school. Mm. And Joel Cohen did the sound editing on uh, Evil Dead. And so when you see films like uh, Blood Simple and Raising Arizona, which were like the uh, like early Coen Brothers films, like Raising Arizona, there's shots in there that are exactly out of Evil Dead that... um that uh, b- because it's like a, well, it's not really a romantic comedy, but because it's sort of like this broad sort of like... Uh, Looney Tunes almost, is Yeah, yeah, family sort of like Looney Tunes comedy, Raising Arizona. Uh, they use all of these things that they used in sort of like Evil Dead and they use it out of context. And so it's kind of like, it, you know, it, it's, just, it's, it's just really weird. But then they use the exact same sort of like techniques on Blood Simple as well. And that's a, you know, um, a film noir... And so it's just kind of like, it's really interesting because they're kind of like, they developed all of this stuff for like this hardcore horror movie and you associate all of these angles and then you can sort of like see the same filmmaking process from the Coen brothers um, early on in their career before they sort of like got their own style. But um, yeah, I mean, they were like really heavily influenced by um, Sam Raimi because Sam Raimi was making films before the Coen brothers and then, you know, Sam Raimi it went cyclical where Sam Raimi ended up making... Um, what's that, a Simple pl- Is it a Simple <laughs> Plan? Simple Plan, which is sort of like his Fargo. Mm. Um, really good. really good movie as well. It's really good. Have you ever seen Crime Wave? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awful
2: film. I I remember quite liking it, but it was quite, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like a B movie, doesn't it? It's got a very sort of...
1: I mean, it's, but it, again, um, it was another example of Sam Raimi wanting Bruce Campbell for the lead and then the studio is saying you can't have him as the lead. And so there's this other guy as the lead, and you've never heard of him again. And it's just kind of like, well, you know, Bruce Campbell has consistently popped up in films all, the, all this time, and there's like, there was like, I mean, this is like a recap of what we were talking about yesterday, but there's like three three or four films that, you know, Darkman, they wanted him as the lead. He wasn't allowed to be the lead. Crime Wave, they wanted him as the lead. wasn't allowed to be the lead. The... Um, uh, I'm sure there are others, but I was saying like one of the worst films that Bruce Campbell has ever appeared in is Congo. Um, it's just this really terrible film, and the kind of the lead actor in that is fairly nondescript. And Bruce Campbell appears for like a three minute cameo right at the beginning of the film before he gets killed, um, and then the whole film is about trying to find find him. And then at the end, I mean, I was gutted. This is a spoiler for Congo, by the way, but they spoiled it already. Um, Congo was a movie that even
2: as... What year is Congo? 96? Yeah, it was um, from the maker of Jurassic Park. Yeah, so even as a 17-year-old, I was very aware going in that this wasn't going to be a primo movie. And that everything from the cast was telling me, Ernie Hudson, okay, Bruce Campbell, all right, it
1: was all telling me Tim Curry. not a primo, a movie. Um. Yeah, but on the trailer, you know, um, there used to be movies, games, and videos on a Saturday afternoon. And um, there was like an advert for Congo that came up, like a TV spot. And uh, just because the film is so boring, they had to use like a shot of Bruce Campbell screaming at the camera as kind of like a, a gorilla is attacking him, right? So you have Bruce Campbell turning to the camera and going, ah! And they used that in the trailer. And I was just like, that's fucking Bruce Campbell. Right. And then you load your family up in the car and you go, right, we're going to go to the cinema. We're going to watch Bruce Campbell. So as a Bruce Campbell fan, when you're kind of like, um, uh, you know, films are few and far between uh, and to actually get the opportunity to go to the cinema. I mean, I can't remember if it was before. I think it was before Escape from LA, which again... had the other one which, again, was this sort of, like, you go to the cinema, because, you know, you're checking out IMDb, and it's kind of like, oh, my God, you know, um, Bruce Campbell's in Escape from L.A., uh, you know, it's kind of like, I don't think even we probably had IMDb. Yeah, I don't think I had IMDb then. um, So it's sort of like you're, you're counting down the weeks for Escape from L.A. to come out, because Bruce Campbell's in it, and then you come and see it, he's in it for two minutes, gets killed, and you go, all oh, right, okay, uh... That was another one I remember
2: seeing that. I think in Flicks magazine, the free magazine you used to get in cinemas. Yeah, you would have Escape from LA, and you go, "Wow, they've done a S- Escape from New York sequel." King Kurt's back, Kurt Russell. You've got Steve Buscemi and uh, Bruce Campbell. Brilliant. Can't can't fail. Mm.
1: <laughs> Cannot fail. Yeah, amazing cast, uh, and uh, just and John Carpenter. You know, he's back. And absolutely rubbish. I think uh, Flix magazine was when I first heard of Army of Darkness, of Evil Dead 3. I think it was called Medieval Dead then. Like, it was like a preview of upcoming films. And there was a picture of Bruce Campbell uh, in the daylight, and he's sort of like... He's probably sat on his horse, and he's turned into the wise man, and he's telling him he's an idiot, right? And that's the shot that they used. And... um, I remember like reading about it and thinking that sounded dead scary because I got Evil Dead films mixed up with Night of the Living Dead films, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, um, uh, Evil Dead, The Return of the Living Dead. I like clumped them all in together. And I think I probably thought Army of Darkness or Medieval Dead was like uh, Return of the Living Dead 3. Um, so I, I was scared of it be like long it. before
2: I saw it. Say again? I think I did the same thing. I think Return Return of the Living Dead was exactly the same franchise as Night of the Living Dead when I was a kid. Must be. Must be the same thing.
1: Yeah. But also, Return of the Living Dead is sort of is the same franchise as Night of the Living Dead because it's based on the fact that Night of the Living Dead is uh, is a film that's based on a true event and then Return of the Living Dead is kind of like, but this is what really happened. Mm. You no, know? um, so they are sort of there is sort of like connective tissue, but um, but like Dan O'Bannon is basically Return of the Li- Li- Living Dead, which is a great film. I think that that's um, yeah, Return of the Living Dead is a really brilliant film. Um, the sequel's not as good, and then the third one is kind of like it's just a zombie movie that's basically got nothing to do with the first the first two. But they do like that weird thing where. Well, Robert Rodriguez does in Desperado, where he gets the same cast back for the sequel, but they're playing different characters. Yes, yeah. And it's kind of like that's a... But for the Return of the Living Dead, it's kind of like it's a bit of an odd thing, and it's just not as good. All it does is it highlights how it's not as good as the first one. Um, The nice thing about... um, Like you're saying,
2: history about Desperado, is that he does basically get the whole of the cast of the first one back. And because he makes a thing in all his films about having characters return playing different parts, he can even... Still managed to have the lead from El Mariachi in the sequel without having to, without it having to just be replaced by Antonio Banderas.
1: And he's almost the coolest character. Mm. Uh, he's the, so the lead. The, if the lead from El Mariachi is um, the uh, second guitarist in uh, Desperado in Antonio Banderas's band, uh, and he's the guy that has the MIDI guns in his guitar cases, mm. and, but. So the miniguns, they're a cool thing. But I I really love his sort of, like, uh, woolen suit that he wears. He's got these really dead cool trousers. I just really like the cut of his trousers. I just thought, you know, I'd like a woolen suit like that. I probably wouldn't wear it in Mexico, because, you know, what are you doing wearing wool, mate? (laughs) Fucking hell. But, um, yeah. Anyway, my point about Congo was that it's a terrible film. It's boring the lead is kind of like not very charismatic and um, uh, it takes itself simultaneously far too seriously and uh, not seriously enough in a way. And all you do is you go, well, just put Bruce Campbell as the lead, just swap them. Get the guy without any charisma to get killed off in the first three minutes. Put Bruce Campbell in it. And then the whole film becomes... The whole film makes sense, right? Because then you're not like... Uh, pissed off that you're watching kind of like this guy talk to uh, a talking gorilla that's basically obviously a man in a suit you know for 90 minutes you know with sign language oh god it's awful it's so bad it's so bad but then you could put bruce campbell in a scene where he's talking with sign language to a talking gorilla and then all of a sudden you go this makes sense it's almost like it was meant to be like you couldn't imagine the film being better. Yeah. I think that's it. I think he... In fact, you're right, actually. It's funny
2: because he isn't... Because you're talking about him being almost like a parody or a pastiche of a leading man. He would actually work really well in films that might be struggling to get a bit of credibility because it makes it look like it's on purpose.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, um, we were talking we were talking about kind of like... Um, uh, C- can you imagine a film that existed where you know Bruce Campbell could be the lead? And yeah, I think that he could have been the lead in Darkman. You were basically saying, other than Darkman Two, mm. what you know? And it was kind of like, it is a bit of a struggle because I don't think he is kind of like um, like a, a Brad Pitt or even like an Antonio Banderas or like a like a he's not like a leading man in that sense for A pictures but you could improve almost any B-movie or any horror movie. But like I was saying that Bruce Campbell would have been perfect as sort of like the Gabriel Byrne character in Hereditary, you know. And, you know, yeah, so maybe not being in kind of like Ocean's Eleven and doing George Clooney roles, but uh, definitely kind of like coming in and... Um, like uh, the Roddy McDowell character from Fright Night. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, Bruce Campbell would be great as that. And they did the remake of Fright Night, and they got um, David Tennant. David
2: Tennant,
1: yeah. Yeah, and they kind of changed it from, he's not like a horror show host, he's a Las Vegas magician. And it kind of like, you go, yeah. It's, that's the problem. Do, do, I mean, what, Colin, Colin Farrell? He did the same thing with Total Recall, where they yeah. kind of like, do a, do a remake of an absolute banger, put Colin Farrell in it, and then uh, just you know, take everything that's good about the originals and sort of like just dilute it all. And when then, the
2: first Sam Raimi Spider Man was coming out, I'd convinced myself that Bruce Campbell would be J. Jonah Jameson. And it and you know I think he's great, isn't he? What's he called? Uh, the Bloke Who Is Him.
1: <laughs> what is his name?
2: From Oz. What is uh, he in Oz? He's in Oz as well, yeah. What's he called? God, I forgot his name. It's Whiplash. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, yeah. That was Natalie you found, that it wasn't me. Uh, um, he is great, but like in my head, I could just imagine Bruce Campbell aged up with like a buzz cut and a moustache
1: and being really good in it. Well, I mean, we got him in three films, so yeah. that was good. But again, you go... When When is he going to get a fucking break? Like yeah, Sam Raimi's right? making huge blockbuster movies. And then it's kind of like Bruce Campbell comes in and he's got a cameo in it. You go, yeah, but... And he's got a cameo in the second one. You go, yeah, but, you know. He's got a cameo in the third you, one. You can imagine him showing up in
2: something like a Guardians of the Galaxy film or something like that now, couldn't you? Th-
1: yeah. Why don't they just do it? I don't understand. Well, because that's the, like, the, one of the weirdest things, isn't it? Because Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, they're responsible for a whole generation of f- filmmakers, you know. Um, and no one sort of, like, put him in their film and sort of, like, showcased him. You know, it's just kind of like, you whack him in a Quentin Tarantino film as part of an ensemble cast, write him a, write him a decent part, or you put him in uh, you know something like desperado or from dust till dawn with an ensemble cast and then it's like oh we're making from dust till dawn too and Bruce Campbell's in it and you go oh my god Quentin Tarantino Robert Rodriguez uh, directed by Scott Spiegel I think it was mm. um, and it's a straight to video sequel a deliberately straight to video it's not like so bad that we they've done it on a video budget so it's scaled down but we're doing a sequel to from dust till dawn and it starts, Bruce Campbell, and then you fucking count down the fucking days, the weeks, the months, to the day that, from just Till Dawn 2, Texas Blood Money is released. Where, on the credits, it will say, Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, Bruce Campbell, unbelievable, cannot wait. And um, he appears in the first two minutes in a film within a film and he gets killed in the fake film that the characters are watching in the film on TV in a motel and you go, for fuck's sake. This was, like, you can't even get a lead in a straight-to-video sequel that is being produced by two of your biggest fans. It's like... This is as close as it's like to uh, be a uh, football fan of a shit team. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm rooting for him. Do you know what I mean? Just come
2: on. You're right, though. It's actually, it's weirder now that he hasn't had (laughs) a third act, has he? He hasn't had the, like, most people get, you know, Quentin Tarantino's whole thing when he started making films was that he resurrects these sort of heroes from his childhood and his teens and things. And it's, it's almost weird now that Bruce Campbell hasn't had that. Well, he had Ash versus Evil Dead,
1: right? Mm. They had three series of a sequel to the Evil Dead uh, trilogy, right? And yeah, that's great, but it got cancelled because um, it was on Stars. No one subscribed to Stars, and people just did- downloaded it illegally. So, it didn't- not enough people watched it, and then. Like, and then it got cancelled, and it's just kind of like, you go, this is like, I mean, I went to the premiere. I mean, it was so exciting. And it was so brilliant that he was sort of like, you know, that was his kind of like third act. But even that was sort of like, oh, it got fucked. And he, and he said, it's because you all illegally downloaded it. It's like, I didn't. I bought it on DVD and Blu-ray. Along with every single, I've got fucking ten, fucking eleven copies of Army of Darkness. You can't fucking because I illegally downloaded it. I fucking paid for your, I paid for your fucking shoes for fucking ten years, mate. How many fucking new releases of fucking Evil Dead are you gonna do? Oh, it's out on Anchor Bay. Fucking wanker Bay, more like fucking. uh, I've got so many copies of those fucking films. I bought all of the books. I fucking, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's one film. It's an 81-minute film or something like that. And you've released it between 1980 and 2000 for 40 years. It's like three different releases of it per year because you get all the fucking revenue from it. You know, it's kind of like you release it over and over and over and over again. And Like a fucking mug, I buy every fucking alternative cover because I fucking love you. I mean, it's hurtful, Nat. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. I'm
3: sorry. Well, you know, I wear the scarf and I turn up every Saturday and I cheer him on. <laughs> Come on! Come on, Bruce! <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh,
1: it's, difficult. it's difficult being a, um, a Bruce Campbell fan because it's like, when he is the lead, it's in something like Mind Warp. And you've got to sit through that. And it's kind of like... like You're better off just reading the description of it on the back because the mm. film that you end up watching bears absolutely no resemblance to the film that they've described. He's often not in, like, B-movies, that, that that kind
2: of fun B-movies either. They often are just like, this is just a rubbish film.
1: It's not, like... It's not... <laughs> Alien Apocalypse. I mean, fuck me. It's not even, like, tongue-in-cheek fun. Do you know? Oh, oh. Oh, but I've watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched it. Oh. Well done, well Nick. It's all right. Okay, fine. Um, I don't want to talk about. Uh, oh, uh, I don't want to put this out in the world. But this is this is the this is the dark underside vibe. of fandom. Do you see? <laughs> I mean, we've never really to know. We've never really kind of, like, explored it on fan club, right? But part of being a fan is, you know, learning to lose things, I suppose. Learning to cope with loss and disappointment and rejection, but still coming back week in, week out. Why? Because I'm a bloody fan, and it means something to me, you know? If ever I got a TV show or a film, I would hire Bruce Campbell. I'd get him killed in the first two minutes of episode four, long after people had stopped watching. <laughs> um, did you ever see the second series of Fargo, by the way? No, is he in that? He's Ronald Reagan. Is he? But I don't think I don't think it's a big part. I, th- I think I think um, I've talked to people who have seen it, and I said, is Ronald Reagan in it much? And they, I, I don't think they even sort of, like, registered that Ronald Reagan was even in it. I so, uh, but I didn't really love the first series of Fargo, so...
2: Now, I kind of got lost. I've heard good things about it. I think I watched the first couple, and I never went back to it, really.
1: It I, a... I, I sort of liked it, but then I thought it was ridiculously mean-spirited in some places. Um... And also the tone of it wasn't quite... It, it, it was like... Because the Coen brothers have a very specific tone. And the tone of it was kind of like a bit off. There's a bit when um there's this guy that's selling uh, zombie apocalypse survival kits at the back of a van. And it's kind of like, yeah, that's wacky. But it's not really Coen brothers wacky. It's kind of like... It was like one step beyond I could... Do you know what I mean? It was yeah, like I mean, two... And it was slightly too broad in places. I don't know. Um, I liked it, though. I did like it, but I, did, I, did, I still sort of, like... One one character gets, like, this absolutely horrible death. And, um, yeah, and it sort of, like, left a really bad taste in my mouth for, like, the rest of the series. But um, you know what?
2: I was never a
1: massive fan of Fargo,
2: the movie. Really? Hmm. I, I was a bit disappointed... I think it was... I think I probably... I have seen it since, and I do... I think I liked it more. But I think when I saw it, I always really liked that their films always felt like pastiches or genre films, and that just didn't feel like it was one. It felt like... But in a way, it's probably like their first proper Coen Brothers-y Coen Brothers film. But, I, you know, I really like Hudsucker Proxy and...
1: um, Well, well... ...Crossing and... so, So, Hudsucker Proxy... Was um, So the reason we mentioned Crime Wave was because uh, Bruce Campbell was meant to be the lead. It was written by Sam Raimi, Joel Cohen, and Ethan Cohen, And it's set in a place called Hudsucker Prison. Um, and then, like, so whenever Crime Wave was made, 1987 maybe? Or maybe, no, it was before Evil Dead 2, wasn't it? Because they had to make it. Maybe it was 1984. And then they had to make Evil Dead 2 to sort of like go, no, no, we can still, we need it, we got a hit. They had to basically have a hit so that they could progress their careers. So they did Evil Dead, they could do anything they wanted. They did Crime Wave. Crime Wave was a flop. Uh, there are some really good jokes in it, but it's not a very successful film overall. Like, it's good. Nah, it's, is it good? I don't think it is good. I think there's good bits in it, though. And then... I like some amazing bits, the bit when she's running through the doors and shutting the doors, and he's chasing her through the doors. And they're in, like, a door factory, so there's just, like, hundreds of doors. That's great. Um, And the dance contest is great. Uh, That's one of my favourite all-time jokes in any film, when they enter the dance contest. I think it's fantastic. Um, So that was a flop, so they had to make Evil Dead 2 to be kind of like, no, 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 and then they could sort of, like, make something else. Um, so he he, he wrote uh, Crime Wave with the Coen brothers. And then um, uh, when they made Hudsucker Proxy, which is sort of like using the name Hudsucker from Crime Wave and putting it in um, uh, another film, which was a Joel Silver film, uh, Sam Raimi wrote Hudsucker Proxy with the Coen brothers. Coen brothers directed it. Bruce Campbell is in it and uh, Sam Raimi's got a cameo in it. I think Sam Raimi's the one that's like trying to invent names for the hula hoop. And he's the one that goes, the daddy uh And you just see him in silhouette. Um, so they're sort of like all connected. Unrelated to the fact that Bruce Campbell's in it or Sam Raimi had a hand in it, I think Hudsucker Proxy is my favourite uh, Karen Brothers film. I think it's, it doesn't get any love. Mm. And I think it's absolutely magical. I think it, I think it was a flop as well, which I think people.
2: Yeah. almost yeah. meant in the, there was a time, wasn't there, where the film flopped. It'd almost be like written off as a bad film. It felt <laughs> like it never, people just went, "That was terrible, that one." Yeah, yeah. no, it wasn't. Yeah. It's just you
1: never saw it. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Um, it, it was their biggest budget film. It looks expensive. The special effects are great. Um, Uh, Yeah, it's like it's obviously this green screen stuff when he's like falling out of the tower. But I think there's green screen the bit when the dude is on the magic carpet in uh, Big Lebowski has aged worse than uh, Tim Robbins falling out of the building Mm -hmm. in Hudsucker Proxy. And it was made four years later, you know.
2: I'll say this I've said it before on
1: here, but
2: I would say if you go back to 1998 when (laughs) Big Lebowski came out you won't see a good review from it from anyone. It was like, you know, people were just like, this is awful. Really? Yeah, it was was like people hated it. Um, Empire Magazine hated it. Did they? And it was like all this, um, uh, and at the time it was because of Fargo, really, because Fargo had been seen as such like a proper movie for them. I think the idea that they'd then done this much broader comedy was almost seen as this kind of, Oh, just when
1: you got good, you make this. Really? There's attitude to it. I can sort of understand that because it's ridiculous, but it's oh. so it's it's so it is it's sort of like a return to kind of like raising Arizona. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: I think that's it. And I think that was my take on it when, like, I was a bit like, oh, great. And I was a bit yeah. At the time, I was a bit disappointed by um, Fargo, and it's probably one of their films I've watched least. Uh, that's I've so strange. It, I've seen it, I maybe I've probably seen it for the last time about 15 years ago, and I reckon I'd probably like it if I watched it now. I
1: think it's like, great. at the time I was never really into it. It's got an amazing Steve Buscemi performance, Francis McDormand is great, uh, William H. Macy is great. The the soundtrack is incredible, it looks beautiful, it's got a um. A cameo from Bruce Campbell in it, uh, where they took an old soap opera he was in. Uh, When William H. Macy's wife is tied up to a chair and she's got a sack over her head, they leave her in a room watching an old Bruce Campbell soap opera. So it's not like he's not actually in the film, but they have footage of him from a TV
2: show in the film. Um, Bruce Campbell's also in The Coen Brothers' Lady Killers, isn't
1: he? So... So, this is my theory. He's in Lady Killers and he's in Intolerable Cruelty and he's in Hatsoka Proxy. And if he actually turns up for work, then uh, it's either a flop or it's their worst film. (laughs) But if they use old footage of him from another thing, it'll get an Oscar. So... I think it, it, it's sort of like cursed, isn't it? But, um,
2: if Joel yeah. and Ethan Curry
1: are listening,
2: they need to get some old footage.
1: They need to get some old footage of uh, Xena Warrior Princess and whack <laughs> that in the next film and they'll get an Oscar. Um, we've got to play a song now um, and uh, then we'll uh, chat some more because <laughs> that's the basic, it's a podcast. Isn't it? what, what are you fucking expecting?
0: Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalfs Fan Club, on FUBAR Radio.
1: We're back! Oh, God! Um, um, yeah, so, um, that's what I
2: watched, Evil Dead 2. <laughs> OK, I'll tell you what I saw this week on a related matter. I saw the film High Fidelity. Um, the John Cusack film. John Cusack film. I was intrigued. I'd, I'd read the book... Uh, in the last few weeks for uh, researching something. I'd read the book and I was sort of intrigued by it. And I watched a film again having read the book. And it's a really faithful adaptation. It's a really good adaptation of the book. But I don't know how much I liked the film or the book at the end of it. I I used, like, when when it first came out, I saw the movie and I really liked it. And it's not aged terribly well. I think part of the reason it hasn't aged that well is Jack Black, who I just, uh, I think is like, I don't know if I can take this performance now. It feels like feels like Jack Black belongs to a different era to me. But there is a bit in it where there was in the book where um, there uh, John Cusack is discussing the film Reservoir Dogs, and he uses it as a thing to say uh, when his ex says that she hasn't slept with a new boyfriend yet, he yeah, says yeah. to Jack Black. When you say you haven't done something yet, does that mean you're gonna do it, or does it mean you're not gonna do it? He says, Is that for in example, Is that in the book. It, in the book and the film, but in the book, he says, um, say for Dogs. example, yeah, it's um, Reservoir Dogs in the book. Yeah, and in the and film, it's... it's Evil Dead too. Yeah, but the joke doesn't kind of make as much sense because he talks about it. He also says Evil Dead too, and he goes through. He goes, yeah, because what? It's really violent. It's really funny. And it's also got an amazing soundtrack. And it doesn't. It doesn't. So it's ba- it's it's obvious that you go. Well, he is talking about Reservoir Dogs in the book, and that makes
1: more sense because it's got an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. Um,
3: but
2: it,
1: it's well, you don't go away from Evil Dead Two and go, what a what a, what a tune. <laughs> it's all sort of like atmos stuff. That's what I mean. And it, it feels really like Joseph Laduka though. Who went on to do uh, Hercules and um, Zena and Army of Darkness? I, I can never work out which bit Danny Alfman did in Army of Darkness and which bit um, uh, Joseph Leduc did, because basically it all sounds like Danny Alfman. Um, so maybe Danny Alfman did, did the March of the Dead song, which is what he did, but I, I don't know. It's my fault. I haven't ever really looked it up. Even though I've got a fucking copy of the fucking soundtrack on vinyl. Um, uh, but, um, it's yeah. a weird
2: thing to change, isn't it? For the film. Is it like you're not allowed to mention Reservoir Dogs without giving them some money or something? Just, that I think so. weird...
1: mm, I think that it was maybe um, John Cusack wanted to reference um, Evil Dead 2. Mm. Then you just change, you'd make the the third bit something else, wouldn't you? And they might have changed it on the day. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, but it is, it is a weird change. I don't, I don't remember it in the book. I remember because I really like that book, but I haven't read it since. But I know what you mean. I think John Cusack is quite an unlikable character in the in the film. Do you know what I mean? He's like. Yeah. I think that's meant to be the. I don't think you're fully
2: meant to be entirely on board with him. I think it's they, about you
1: know, how complicated relationships are. So it's mm. kind of like, you know, he's your lead character, but he's not really a hero. No. He's sort of like got quite a lot of unlikable qualities as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, so it's, it's meant to be like, it's complicated, isn't it? Mm. And it's like, that wasn't really my problem with the
2: film <laughs> or the book. It was more that, I don't know, I just was a bit kind of... I don't know, it was, and I thought both were fine. That's what I thought. But I remember really liking the film... And now I think it's like, it's like, it's fine. It's totally fine. I was yeah. expecting to, you know, and I'm sort of not surprised. It's not something I would have imagined would definitely age well. But it, it really hasn't. And it feels very trapped in its trapped in its era as well. And Jack Black as well, that I was sort of kind of, watching it, it's a bit like, I found it a bit kind of squirmy,
1: a lot of his performance, a bit kind of cringy. Jack Black... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's weird because he, 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 I mean, he was sort of slightly unrefined, but that was his breakout role, mm. wasn't it? But yeah, he was in stuff, he was in like the cable guy before then, he was in Never Ending Story 3. Um, and him and Tim Robbins are sort of like part of that, um, yes. uh, like an acting troupe, aren't they? And I think John Cusack sort of uh, they're all in well, John Cusack is in Bob Roberts, isn't he? Um,
2: yes.
1: Yeah. What's um, that? Is that? Do you remember that film that's about
2: Orson Welles? Yes. Yeah. What's that film? Um, it's sort of like The Cat's Meow or something like that. That's the that's the Bogdanovich one about Chaplin. But it's a similar type of ensemble thing. Is it called something like When the Bow Breaks or something like that? Is it? Called, yeah. Um,
1: hmm, okay. Yeah. What, yeah, that thing. Yeah.
2: But that's... What, is some,
1: isn't that like John Cusack, Tim Robbins... And Cradle Will Rock.
2: Cradle Will Rock. Yeah.
1: Um, and Chat Black. Is Chat Black Orson Welles
2: in it? Isn't he? Oh God, no. I don't think he's awesome I think he's like a ventriloquist dummy in a show. Right? He plays like a. He plays like the dummy that someone does on stage, like right. a sort of fake ventriloquist act with two people playing, one playing the ventriloquist and him playing the puppet.
1: Right. I think okay. it's like a double act with someone in it. Okay. okay. I remember really liking that film actually. I it interested in it again. Um I've not seen it. Um what I will say, I mean I I, I like I like um High Fidelity. Um and I like and I and I really like the book. Um and I and I like Nick Hornby. Um so when we were making Eat Your Heart Out, uh well, so what happened was um Uh, We were doing, uh, me and my girlfriend had just split up, and I was going through a a phase of just taking as much work as I could get to sort of like keep sort of like active and working. And they offered me um, this this Channel 4 pilot uh, for a food show, and it was originally called Dirty Filthy Food, and it was about me uh, but it was a non-TX, which means it's not going to televise it. They'll make a pilot, but no one will see it. The, just the channels will see it, and they'll decide whether they want to make a series or not, right? But it doesn't air on TV, right? And I was just thinking, this is perfect because um, I can do this. I can have a go at presenting. It's not going to be humiliating. I will give it a go, and it's work, and It gets me out of the house, and uh, and I don't have to deal with my breakup. And so we did like the episode in Manchester, and the whole thing was kind of it was like Top Gear for food, right? and it, was, it kind of it was a bit of a weird project. It was me, like, talking directly down the camera and saying, hello, we're in Manchester, home of Oasis, Smiths and the Hacienda, and today I'm going to be eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe a snack. So join me on dirty, filthy food. And it was basically me meant to be going to sort of, like, absolute shitholes, eating the most disgusting, sort of, like, greasy food that we could find. And, um uh and and then giving it a rating out of 10 right and uh, the first thing we did was we went to this uh, jerk chicken restaurant where um i met this lovely jamaican couple and they were sort of like old and we were like eating jerk chicken in um uh their restaurant and i'd make the jerk chicken and i met like i was in the kitchen i was like helping out making everything and um uh, and then at the end I ate, ate the food and there was a moment where the food was so delicious. And I, I kind of like, but I, you know, there, there was nearly a tear in my eye and I was just kind of like, no one's cooked something this nice for me in, in, in ages, you know. Uh, and I think I sort of like said, not even my mum makes food this nice, you know. Um, and um, uh, and then I come out of the restaurant and they say, now give it a rating out of 10. And I was like, well, it's 10, isn't it? And then I said, and to the producer, I was like, it's always going to be 10 because I've just met them and I've just made it. it's a pointless. It's, it's, yeah. it's a pointless element to the show, me coming out of a restaurant, meeting the people that own the restaurant, working with them, spending a, a morning with them or an afternoon with them, eating their food, and then turning around. I'm never going to give it, like, a three or, like, a one, right? It's always going to be ten, right? Because I'm not a cunt, right? So um, so I found that, fr- like, frustrating. And then, um, and it was just sort of like this... Re- it wasn't really me, do you know what I mean? It was this really weird show, right? Uh, where it's just kind of like, what you need is you need a proper lad. You need like a bloke to be doing this. And it's dirty. I don't even like junk food. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, and also I've got like eating issues and eating disorders and stuff like that. I don't want to have like a show that it's me just stuffing my face with with junk food, and then open myself up to the possibility that people are going to write in and call me like a fat cunt and all of that stuff like on Twitter. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to put myself through that. Uh, But I am interested in food, and I love cooking, so to do a food show is great, but maybe it's not this food show, you know? Um, And then we filmed, like, this segment in the evening with this um, woman. Uh, We were making uh, ice cream. She's like an ice cream maker, right? And so we were making ice cream, and to make ice cream, you have to separate egg whites and egg yolks, and I hate eggs, right? And so there was this scene where I was literally separating egg whites and egg yolks with my hands... And I was gagging, right? And my hands are covered in egg white. Um, And I'm just like, but I'm being sick. It just looks like fucking snot. It's just like, it's just, I'm being sick. And then what happens is my face really starts itching. And I start like uncontrollably sneezing. And then I'm just like, um, but I can't do anything about it because my hands are covered in this egg, right? And I turned around and I said, have you got cats? And she said, yeah, I've got like three. And it's like, I'm allergic to cats. And then there's just this thing where I'm meant to be like making ice cream. And it's this whole segment where it just got worse and worse and worse, where I'm gagging at the fact that I hate the fucking ingredients. And I'm sneezing, I'm tearing my fucking face off because I'm allergic to cats. And then we eventually make this ice cream and I eat it. And I go, if we could make a series like that. Where it's just sort of like stuff that's sort of like getting more and more out of control. I'd be more interested in that. And then I watched the pilot and I didn't, I didn't love it. Um, so I was just like, okay, I'm not going uh, to, I don't really want to do like a, a series. And it went around and Channel 4 turned it down. And I sort of forgot all about it, that it existed. And then like a year later, the producer got back in contact and he said, well, good news. Uh, we've got a series on Dave. And I was just like, oh, Really? And they said, yeah, they've just commissioned 20 episodes. And I was like, of that? 20 episodes of that? And they said, yeah. And I said, I don't want to make it. I said, I don't want to do it. Um, I don't want to make 20 episodes of that. And so he, they took me out for, like, uh, a lot of dinners. And eventually they sort of, like, persuaded me to do the series. And eventually, I think he was just desperate at the end. And he just said, look, you can do anything you want. You can do absolutely anything you want. And I was just like, well, I'd, and I wasn't even playing hard to get. I was just like, I'm not interested. I don't want to be a presenter. I want to be a, a comedian. Um, I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to do this to be famous. I don't want to do it just for the sake of being on TV, you know. And I don't want to do like a food show where I'm like eating junk food uh, and giving it ratings out of 10, right? So um, so uh, he said, you can make anything you want. So I went home and I watched High Fidelity And I was just like, well, if we can make a food show that's like High Fidelity, where I'm going through and sort of like reliving memories, like I go through a breakup and then I um, uh, uh, go back to my parents' house and my mum cooks me dinner and I go to like our favourite restaurants that we used to go to. And then I travelled like to France to get away from uh, you know, do you know what I mean? If we could sort of like put like a storyline around it, make it into sort of like a comedy show as well as a food show, um, and kind of like um and, and made it autobiographical, then I'd be up for I'd be up for that. So we did it. Um and then um it got delivered to Dave eventually, and they had no idea that we'd changed it. And I got absolutely I got absolutely bollocked. They were just like, what the fuck? It was like, what the fuck is this? This isn't the fucking show that we asked for. We asked for dirty, filthy food. What the fuck is Eat Your Heart Out? And it was just like, what do you mean? And the producer never told them that we... He never told them that we changed it. And it's just like... And everyone was just like, well... They delivered it and they said, well, yeah, but it's better than what you ordered, isn't it? And they were like, yeah. So, like, people are saying, are you going to make another series? It's just like, I don't think Dave are talking to me. I think they were fucking furious. Not my fault. <laughs> but it was just like I, 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 never, I never heard from them like then they changed the, they changed the time slot it was on it was on at 7.30 I think or 7 o'clock and they changed the time slot to 11 o'clock at night without telling me and it was just like oh it was like abs- it was an absolute fucking car crash it gets repeated all the time though people love it mm. but like and it's Seems good, good yeah. the reason it's good is because of all of the elements that we changed but it was it was it was because of um uh, High Fidelity that we did it, that we did it, me and David Trent. <laughs> Do you know what? I had to write, it was fucking mental. Um, they gave me, guess how long they gave me to write 20 episodes, 16 episodes? I don't know, it's obviously not gonna be. Two weeks, months. two weeks. They gave me two weeks to write 16 episodes, <laughs> and it was over Easter holiday, so it was actually two four day weeks to so write 16 episodes, all right? uh, fucking hell and sometimes they would change the guest and the location the night before and i'd have to write a fucking episode overnight it was it was an absolute you know go you don't make any more it was a fucking nightmare plus you're eating food morning noon, and night right and there's never a point where you don't need a shit it's just like it's just literally you're just (coughs) stuffed the whole time is fucking, and, and you've got cameras on you. It's absolutely fucking. Uh, yeah, that's a nice job. <laughs> Recording that, you had to get a personal trainer, didn't you, just to get rid of the weight? I got a personal trainer after I did uh, Eat Your Heart Out because I put on like <laughs> a stone and a half or something. It's fucking crazy. Anyway, um, that's the story behind Eat Your Heart Out. So, if you do want another series, write to Dave. Don't write to me. It's got absolutely fucking nothing to do with me. Um, I would, I would do. Well, would I? The terrible, terrible conditions that we had to, like, make it under. And it was one person's fault. Right, so... Hi, Nick and Nat. <laughs> we can do fan mail now. <laughs> I've never said that. Oh, God, got it off my chest. Hey, Nick and Nat.
3: What's up, you lovely boys? Nick had a great business idea for you. What if Apple did a new Siri version <laughs> with your voice so that Apple users can ask Nick Siri to be addressed as guns? Thank me later. Cheers, Sam. Kiss, kiss.
1: Um, I, yeah, great. Um some money of Apple. Again, get in contact with Apple. I don't see it as my job to pitch uh, to Apple uh, a cunt app for Siri.
3: Dear Nick and Nat, I've recently watched the latest mob documentary on Netflix. It's amazing. Have you watched it? I really recommend it. Thanks, Holly.
2: Um, no, I've not seen it. I don't know what it is.
3: Hello, you pair of cunts! As a fellow cunt, this is a compliment. Cunts are the best. Oh, i sorry. Hello, you pair of cunts. As a fellow cunt, this is a compliment. Cunts are the best. Do you like
1: summer, Damien? I love summer. It is, I would say, in my t- one of my top four seasons.
3: Hi! Is Indiana Jones worth watching? I can't be ass, but my girlfriend says that it he is a favourite man and I should be more like him. Cheers, Woody.
2: Woody? I mean, uh, why do you listen to this? You've never seen an Indiana Jones
1: film? What? Why, why are you listening to this show? In this for you. Um, Indiana Jones. It depends, I think. Uh, it's uh, 50-50 on Indiana Jones. Uh, two absolute bangers. And then you got Raiders of the Lost Ark and Last Crusade. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'd
3: love, I'd love to get into films and ammunition Ghostbusters 2 as I'm more into music.
1: Brian Johnson's doing a good job this week, yeah, yeah. isn't he? We
3: Go <laughs> to get into films enough, the and everything, Ghostbusters too, as I'm more into music. What are some good and pinpoint films I can watch
1: those job in Sussex? Um, good entry point films. Uh, Oh, John Carpenter's The Thing, maybe? I've heard that um, Evil Dead 2 has a good
2: soundtrack. So (laughs) that's worth uh, checking out if you like music.
3: Howdy, guys. I would love to pick your brains about America. Have you been there and do you like it? My friends want to go, but I'm not sure about the
1: flight time. And I'm not really into American films or TV shows. From Tricky Steve, I'm probably not the best person to ask about America, but um, I've got a friend that sort of like uh, pops into America every now and then, sometimes just for an afternoon. So uh, (laughs) we can put you in contact with him. Hello, guys! Ah, as I'm still in the lockdown and I've watched all of
3: Netflix, I think I might be trying to get into yoga. Could you teach me how to do it, please, Sally?
2: Get into yoga?
1: Um, not, not my...
2: All of these letters have the same tone. Are they, like, written by the same person? You think it's because it's Brian Johnson? Or do you think it's because... No, it's like they're all they're all sort of... There's no proper... Who listens to this and writes in?
1: Who, Who are our listeners? In? Who writes this? Yeah. Just bunch of, It's just like, like... I mean, it's... it's um, I think people probably think when you make these letters up. I think it's a little bit soul-destroying, isn't it, to read it these? Is. And you go, Hey, guys, if you want to get into Jello movies, then why not write in and we can uh, discuss what your favourite Jello movie is. And then the next week, you read in the fan mail, and it's literally people taking the fucking piss. And it's like, I don't know why we fucking bother... I mean, they're, like, talking about fucking opening up fucking food bar again and we have to go into the fucking studio to do this. So, I, I can just about tolerate having the piss taken out of me in my fucking living room. But I'm not going to get a fucking Uber to enjoy that fucking experience. For fuck's sake. I'm not going to spend money, more money on this show than I fucking make out of it just to be fucking humiliated on, you know, I was going to say live radio, but um, it's obviously pre-recorded and then it's a podcast, so... Um, Guess it's limited on um, anyway. Um, just um, if you've got nothing positive or intelligent to say, stop fucking writing in. Well, I could do without you, you fucking cunts. This is fucking it's gonna be fan mail, not like people that you know, just gonna fucking need us mail. Yeah. yeah, that's good. We'll use that as the clip. Yes, please. <laughs>
3: Greetings. I heard some fan mail asking you to come to Seaside and do a road show. I agree, this would be for the best. I am from South Sea, and would love to have you here. When can you come? I have a carriage. <laughs> sleeping off oh, for fuck's sake! It was—I I was almost moved. I was almost moved. It so was nice. Someone was wanting to come to South Sea
2: and pay him
1: a visit. I thought someone actually wanted us to come to South Sea to do a road show where we could talk about John Carpenter's *The Thing*, amongst other films. And then at the end, it's like they've offered to make us sleep in their fucking garage. No, thank you. No, thank you, Doc Red. Oh. Right, that's all fan mail, then. That's it. That's the fan mail. All Just
2: right. Do and get a guest on.
1: I kiss at last the beloved crown of mine.
0: Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club on Foobar Radio. And we're back!
2: Uh, what was that song that you just played, Nathaniel? It was the Return of Ringo soundtrack, Ennio
1: oh. Morricone. Oh, that's great. It's brilliant. Well, we're joined live <laughs> in the studio. We're not live. Pre-recorded. Five days in advance this time. Uh, not enough gap between the last episode and this episode. Anyway, here we are. We're making the best uh, of a wonderful situation. Joined in the studio now... <laughs> Bye, comedian Ken Cheng. How you doing?
0: Hey, yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
1: How is... were you... okay, so what's the date today? The date? It's... it's
2: the 27th, or 27th.
1: the 2nd of August, possibly? So Edinburgh would be starting. Oh, God, it would be. It
0: is crazy. It is crazy. I was thinking that. It's How is it August? Would you it, have gone it, up it, this year? No, I was taking crazy. a year off, actually. I was. This was my first year off in, like, three or four years.
1: Yeah. I was going to take a year off, and I feel absolutely cheated by this.
0: Yeah, me too, me too. I'm
1: not technically a year off, but it is a year of our lives.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: also, yeah. it's also, I, th- I think, kind of like taking a year off every so often, so have like maybe like a fallow period, so that you can kind of like come up with ideas rather than feeling like you're just churning stuff out is good. Yeah. But it's like one of the most uneventful years. and <laughs> like nothing's happened to me other than I haven't left my flat.
0: <laughs> it's hard to turn that into a show.
1: Well, Imagine I think the state we're... of everyone's
2: shows if all they'd been about was what they'd done in lockdown.
0: Yeah, It'd I, I think they will. They will be. They will be next year. Of course, I next think... year, people are going to come back. It's all going to be the same show.
1: Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, it's going to be like 500 shows called My Corona. <laughs> and it's literally just going to be people talking about Corona. And I just think you know maybe next year would be a good one to take off as well
0: because. Mm. I think I so know. as well. I, I'm not sure it will come back in its full, it will even be like normal next year because I still don't, we do, still don't know what a live comedy will look like in a year's time. It's actually coming up very quickly. So what do we do then? This. We just, it's all Zoom nowadays.
1: I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, just about, I can just about get away with the radio show, mm. but like, like, I've never met you before, have I, Ken?
0: No, I don't think we. Ha- I, th- I don't think we have, Matt.
1: I saw you on. But does this count as meeting?
0: Yeah. I th- think so. Yeah, I think it just about does.
1: Okay, so if I see you in the real world, I can say, "Hey, remember me? We've met already."
0: <laughs> I think we did interact in a sh- maybe in a sh- in a gig that I was in the audience. Maybe like nine years ago. I think we did interact. Oh, but so you were watching right. Nick. But not in a proper way. You were on stage and you probably asked me one question and I said an answer and then you moved on instantly. Right.
1: Okay, well, I'm pretty good at remembering every single uh, <laughs> member of uh, the audience that has ever come to see me. So, yeah, I thought you looked familiar. Hey. Um, uh, well, it's great to know that now you're a, a successful comedian that I had some part in inspiring you to...
0: Uh, be <laughs> 100% part. That was that. was That interaction made me... Seek it, seek it out.
1: Absolutely, I'm, yeah. What a great guy I am. Um, <laughs> so I saw you in uh, uh, Billal's acting yes. uh, acting thing. Uh, so Bill Al was a guest at sort of like at the beginning of the lockdown, just while he was doing it, and it was before he started doing his um, Pez United. Oh yeah. Um, uh, Twitch Twitch feeds, which are incredible. Um, great. I really loved his acting school thing, but I thought the episode that you were in was one of the funniest things i've ever seen <laughs> uh, i wrote yes. to you to tell you but like yes like, I, I, that was very kind. I lost my mind when i saw it i just thought <laughs> it was so funny um so uh i don't know do you want to talk a bit about doing that
0: yeah okay I, it was really fun I, i've not really done that much stuff like that but when i do it is really fun like it's just there's no script at all we, we went in no idea what was going to happen. There was, there was no brief. It was just purely just go, go with whatever. And it just, the whole 20, I think we filmed for 25 minutes, maybe more, maybe half an hour. We had quite a lot of footage. It got edited down, but there was, it was like 30 minutes of just straight, straight messing around. And we just- I watched it last night on Nick's recommendation.
2: Yeah. And I was, I was in bits. I watched about four of them back to back. I thought it was terrific.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks. That's very kind. I think it's a great thing Bilal was, is doing. Like, he's got a lot of great guests on it. And, yeah, I think people should check it out. At least, uh, I think there should be more more stuff like that, people just kind of messing around. I, I feel that's where the real the real comedy comes. Did you do the last episode? Were you in the last one? I think it was the last one, yeah. yeah. I think it was. I I just
1: thought, yeah. I mean, I think they were all good, but it but... <laughs> built up to you and I just thought it was yeah it was amazing Yeah. Um, so um, when did you when did you start doing uh, comedy?
0: I started as a comedy guy quite a long time ago 2010 was my first gig but it was I was just doing it in Cambridge in the student student scene I wasn't even a student I just lived in Cambridge and it was a nice scene there so was that is that so there is like a proper comedy scene outside of no, lights d- as well, or is that what you're part kind of? It? it was kind of that, but a bit. It's kind of a bit bigger than that. The stuff like you know, I know Nick's done the Wolfson Howler, the gigs like that, which are just really, really nice gigs. Where I think it is still in the student scene. It's not technically footlights, but it's sort of like a network of that.
2: And what's that like? Does it, does it feel like? I mean, I guess you have got nothing to compare it to other university towns, but it feels like. There are there's that gig and there's other gigs to do within. There actually is a sort of little mini circuit in Oxford or
0: Cambridge. Yeah, there, Cambridge. It's okay. I don't. I don't care. There. There was. I don't give a shit about that. There. There was quite a big stand-up scene when I when I did it when I was living there, um, because you had people who are now quite big. There were still 21, 20, people like Phil Wang and Arij Shah and like. Liam Williams and those those bunch were all in their in their student days. They were all like early twenties, and they they were as prof- they were like very professional for when, for being like twenty years old. They they seemed like they were already like professional comics, and that created quite a, like a huge scene around it. Were, people loved going to see comedy gigs. You could you could do your first gig to like two hundred people. That's that's like such a great way to start because if you do it in London, you're going to do it to, like, five people who are all acts, so... It was here just, it was like, certainly
2: around when me and Nick were around in sort of
0: 2007,
2: when he was... Yeah. Must have been incredibly young, right? He, he was, was, like, 15.
0: Was 15 or 16. He started when he was 15, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then so he went to Cambridge.
1: He, so, I think... Um, I don't know if he got to the point where he had to sneak into pubs to do gigs, but I know that... um gig. <laughs> what's it? Star of Kings by... Oh, G- yeah. G- That's it, right. It, it used um, to be uh, Lion's Den Comedy. Mm. And he used to do that and so, uh, we, so we, I just remember that he was 15 or 16, and me and him and my dad played Scrabble together. <laughs> and I put down QI as a word. Yeah. Which is like, it's a, it's a, if you've got a Q and there's an I on there, you put QI down, you get rid of your Q. <laughs> and they both contested that it wasn't a word. And I said, it's a word, it's a Scrabble word. It is a word, word.
0: It's, it's a and classic I, Scrabble word.
1: Ah, oh, he is so clever that my dad just uh, automatically deferred to him and went like, yeah, and he believed him over his own son. <laughs> uh, and I was <laughs> wasn't allowed to put, yeah, a fucking 15-year-old. And I wasn't allowed to put QI down. I had to go back and I fucking, you know, they took the piss out of me at the table. I had to go back and fucking uh, Facebook him and look it up and say, look, I told you it was a, we didn't have, we didn't have phones back then. I mean, we didn't have phones back then. Can you believe that? We couldn't have even, we couldn't have even fact-checked it. But yeah, so I had to go home on my laptop and message I here and say, CQI is a fucking word. <laughs> 15-year-old gentleman. But fucking, it was fine. You know, we all got... We, we, you know, you get over these things. It was 2007.
0: <laughs> you know, it's well, taken 13 years, but you finally... Got I've dealt it. with it. You've had years of therapy, so it's fine. His
1: own son. He'd just met him. But That's that's the power of our hair shop.
0: He seems smart, doesn't he? But does seem smart, yeah.
1: Know, you don't know about how to sort of, like, mop up the last uh, remaining points on a Scrabble board. Yeah,
0: that. yeah. <laughs> if you don't know about <laughs> Chi, you're a rookie.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the obvious ones. That's one of the go-tos mm. of a Scrabble.
1: So you won the joke of the Fringe in uh, 2017. I,
0: I did. I did. What, uh, what, is that the Dave joke? The Dave one, yeah. Is that the one you won it, didn't you? With? Oh, I won it in 2000 and, uh 11? 2011.
1: Wow. There we um, go. What
0: does your, what did, did you get an award? Did you get a, yeah, I got a the Is it an ele- elephant? A gloves oh, elephant? Yeah, it's like a, it's like a Perspex plastic elephant, right? Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah, I got that.
1: It's just up there. Oh, yeah, on mine's,
0: my... mine's in the living room. It's just yeah. out there. Yeah, I've, I've got
1: all of my awards on a shelf.
0: <laughs> great, great <laughs> so... stuff. Did you have it in, in shot?
1: Uh well i don't want to be a prick i just talk about them
0: um,
1: <laughs> um what was your joke uh
0: it's the one about the pound coin should i repeat it i can't i've yeah, heard it um i'm not a fan of the new pound coin but then again i hate all change great
1: how did you feel about how did you feel about that about not the how do you feel about that joke you've just done?
0: How did you how feel, do you feel about,
1: about How did you feel?
0: Making you feel, the the room go silent for five seconds. <laughs> and then eventually, you feel out. Uh, politeness to go. Great, great. <laughs> <How> <laughs> yeah. Did you feel about yeah. the award? It was weird. It was so surreal. I mean, it was my first year. It was my first solo hour in Edinburgh, so I I was not expecting it at all. And then I just got a phone call saying, "Oh, by the way, you've won Dave Joke of the Fringe. You're going to have." We're going to announce it in a week, It's like okay great that that is crazy
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a because co- that's the thing it's not a competition that yeah. you enter
0: yeah, exactly, so so you're just never expecting it, and obviously you can you're going in like actually wanting people to enjoy your show and praise your your full show, but you get this i I was just very happy to receive receive it it was obviously it's entirely luck, complete luck. Given that you don't you don't try for it and you just your joke just goes into the the machine or whatever and they cut spout a joke that wins.
1: Well, you, I, yeah. Well, maybe you've got the right attitude. I was furious.
0: <laughs> Were you?
1: Well, they print it in the Sun.
0: Yeah, and yeah, They
1: print it in like every single newspaper. So you basically you can't use that joke again.
0: Yeah. No. If you use it on stage, you 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 just yeah. It's just the audience go way.
1: Yeah, they, exactly, and um, uh, and then also because you haven't entered it, you haven't yeah. gone like this is my favourite joke.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: you will forever. Every time you have an interview or like yeah. they write an article about you, they will forever go, "This is Ken Cheng. He did the uh, pound coin joke yeah. from and and they, I did the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs."
0: Yeah, I remember. Um,
1: um, And they reference that in almost every article that they write about me. But you go, that's not even, my dad wrote that joke. Do you know what I mean? It's not even, it's not even, even My. I mean, my dad wrote me an email which had something along those lines in the email and then I edited his email and cut it down to, it was like this, it was like three paragraphs and I cut it down to like a one-liner and then I put it in my show. But it was basically, it was was me and my dad. And you go, it's not even a fair representation of what I do as a comedian.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that's basically it. I just take it. I guess I just see it for what it is. And the money was good. It helped me break even instead of lose a couple grand.
1: What did you? What did you get?
0: Two grand. Was
1: it two grand? Did I yeah. get two grand or did I get one grand? You
0: don't know. Like I
1: think I bought a laptop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just paid off my Edinburgh. That's I paid off the amount I was going to lose. Cause I was How enjoying... many solo shows have you done in total? I've done now? Three now. So yeah, I did one last, year, my third one last year.
1: And then, if you so you started doing so, when did you do your first Edinburgh?
0: How old are you now? I'm 31 now. I debuted... my first solo hour was 2017, so that's when I won the joke. But I've been going to Edinburgh like every year for ages, but not not like like doing much not
2: even doing like package shows or anything like that before that i
0: did a cup i did like a 15 minute mix mix bill the year before and i did spots the year, couple of years before that but the first couple of years i just went up i went up just for fun um and oh there used to be a poker tournament at the same time in edinburgh it used to be the uk ipt and it was like a 500 pound buy-in poker tournament so it would, I would go up, play a few days of that, and then just watch The Fringe. Wow! Because that's it—you
2: left. You, you were a big like poker poker player, or are still a big poker.
0: Player. I I am now, as of lockdown, I'm back into the poker because oh. <laughs> because comedy is dead. So I need I need to actually make some money. So, so what? But that's
1: online poker, right? Yeah,
0: it's all online. I play online. Um, um,
1: can you play other games
0: online? As in, like. That's in, in card games. Uh, not for any real money. The poker is much bigger than anything. No,
1: else. So I like playing
0: shithead. Oh yeah, I don't know if you can play shithead anywhere.
1: So is there, is there not like an online? Yeah. Oh, well, do you know what?
0: You're not,
1: you're not Google. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never looked into shithead. I used to play shithead all the time when I was sixteen, but I'm I'm sort
1: of like addicted to it, and I've been playing. Uh, uh, you know, as You have, like, social... Is there social bubbles? Yeah. I've been able to play Shithead for the first time in, like, three or four months, and... uh, It's good. It is good, but, like, I think that there should have been... There should be, like, an online uh, card game program where you can sort of, like... Play anything. Play play other games other than poker, because I can't... I've never played poker. So you studied maths. Yeah. So does that mean um, that that comes into your poker... Playing ability
0: Mm, yeah i think it a lot of poker players have quite a math math mathsy brain do you count cards no that's a blackjack that's a in blackjack because they don't shuffle the deck so you can remember where the cards are or at least
1: what do you mean that you don't oh look fucking hell um they do they've got shithead online they've got shithead online brilliant okay (laughs) first. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, just uh, absolutely doesn't matter. That's great. Thanks, Natalie. Uh, 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 it's it quite distracting, but um, <laughs> uh, you two chat amongst yourselves. I'm just going to play shit. online shithead. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so it is then. It you see it
2: as very much like a skill that involves maths, and it's not like some people are just magically better at poker.
0: Nah, no, no, yeah. There's no like. Well, it's kind of maths. It's also psychology. Uh, it's kind of mixing the two because you you need maths to kind of understand all the odds and stuff. But then there's the psychology of like going, well, I have to put myself into the other person's shoes and think, what are they thinking about the game and respond according to that. That that requires all sorts of different skills. And you can see them. Uh, no, not online. You just you just uh, you just. That's the thing. You can actually play poker without seeing a person. The body language is one element of reading someone, but actually, the way they bet—like, let's say you have an opponent who only bets big when they have the best possible hand—you could, you could work that out, and then, then you could just change your strategy up and go, oh, you know what? I'll, I'll avoid them when they bet big, and, and yeah, and exploit them that way. So that that's all part of the game. So it's all betting information.
1: But it's kind of like you're reading. Because you're not reading their face and their body language, you're kind of... It's weird, isn't it? Because you can sort of, like, tell a lot about... I I guess what you're saying is you can sort of tell a lot about a person just on paper.
0: Yes, yes, because the the betting provides so much information. There's loads of... It all tells a story. And I'm trying to think of there's an equivalent game where what they do in the game tells some sort of story, but that is what the game is when you, like... Base, basically pare it down to its fundamentals is everything in it the actual game is like all stories and stuff
2: did it feel like does it feel to you like a really or did it feel or does it feel now like a precarious way to make a living or does it feel like you're confident enough to be like i'm all right with this i'll make some money by the end of a month i'll be okay as,
0: yeah as of two weeks ago i feel confident for the whole of lockdown i was losing money for the first three months of lockdown, March, March to June, I, it was tough. I was so rusty. I was my. You keep a graph of your winnings to track it. and It just kept going up and down. I was pretty much, losing like a bunch, and then winning it back, and then losing a bunch and now for the first time in this month it's it's been a straight line upwards so that's been good.
2: <laughs> that's like, it's funny that you can feel rusty. That's to yeah. me
0: it almost feels like it's a
2: thing you have or don't have but it is a mm-hmm. thing if you don't play enough you lose yeah, it. Yeah, it's,
0: it's a discipline. It's like any other sport I guess. It's or game or whatever. It's it's it you have to be in the zone. Well the met method- like stand up in that regard then, right? Yeah, it's it's very similar to stand up. I think it's it's got the same it's got a lot of the same kind of Uh, emotional swings. Would
1: you
0: say it's it's sort of addictive? Sort of, yeah. Like, one, addictive... It's addictive when you're losing, because the brain shortcuts it, so it doesn't like... Your brain goes into overdrive when you're losing money, so if you're down any amount of money, your brain brain just goes, make this stop, do anything possible to get back into the, the black... And so you keep playing. Sometimes you'll you'll just keep playing when you're losing. I know.
1: Well, I know when um, I know when I'm playing shitheads. Yeah, I'll always be like, all right, we'll play best of three. All right, we'll play
0: yeah. best of five. Yes. Yeah, exactly. of seven. <laughs> That's the and, same thing.
1: And then it's also sort of like um, I can. Uh, it's like if I've lost that round or that if I've lost that game, then. Um, I'll keep playing until I win. Yeah. I can walk away when I've won.
0: Yeah, that's the same.
1: You... But if I've lost, then. And like, so I play Shithead a lot, right?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I love it, right? And I find that addictive, but th- you don't play it for money, right? Yeah. So, um, but you could make money off of it. So I'm good at Shithead, right? Yeah. I'm really good at Shithead. I'm really good. I have like uh, ways of kind of like. Um, getting other people's good cards out of them by, like... If I put, like, a three down when it's high, I mm. uh, I can sort of, like, extract all of their good cards, and then I can burn them with, like... a, te- You know, I mean, it's kind of... Like, yeah. I've got my little
0: tricks... You've and got track, the strategy. I, You've got strategy ideas, yeah.
1: So if I've got a strategy for a non-financially beneficial game like Shithead, I could transfer those skills over to, to poker.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like, the game... All games... All games like link into each other. All card games, even video games. A lot of poker players came from video games, competitive video games, and then uh, a lot come from like the other card games, like Magic: The Gathering and Yu-Gi-Oh. I remember my my friend used to play that. He used to play Yu-Gi-Oh competitively. So your, how did you start off? How I did start, you Know you were good at poker. We started playing in in school in lunch times when we were seventeen. We, we would just like have a game for a couple hours. Um, and we, we just gamble with, we'd use Skittles instead of chips. We just bet with Skittles, And I, I just like, I've always liked games. I think I was a bit into chess as a kid. I wasn't that good, but I was a bit into it. I was kind of good for, I was good against anyone who had, who doesn't play chess, but I, I couldn't beat anyone who was good at chess. Um, and I played a lot of video games as well. I played like a game called Counter Strike online when I was fifteen. So I always had that kind of game game brain.
1: But are they more like strategy games?
0: Yeah, the mix of strategy games or and I played first person shooters and stuff. Yeah, and yes, that kind of stuff.
2: And are you are you someone that gambles anyway? Do you like gambling or not outside of poker?
0: not really i don't know much about i don't do sports i don't i occasionally gamble on elections i gamble on elections and uh, os, the oscars the oscars are right. always a good thing to gamble on. you're
2: kind of like in a way you're a casual better in yeah. terms of gambling yeah you're not but it's just the poker that you kind of yeah
0: i got really into poker with, after yeah because my friends started playing online so i was like you know what i'll give it a go Put some money online and then just kept going.
1: Did you? Um, did you put bets on the Oscars this year?
0: Did I? I think I did put a bet on, but I lot I, I didn't bet on Parasite.
1: Yeah, right. So I saw it mm, two weeks ago. Yeah, we, me and Nathaniel were talking about it a bit yesterday. Yeah, I think it's insane that it won both.
0: Um, both the. Yeah. Have you seen foreign... it? Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah.
1: I think it's really good, and I really love the director. I really loved his film that oh, he made you know. for The Host.
0: Yeah, The Host um, is great. Have you seen Memories of Murder?
1: I've not seen Memories of Murder, That's but I looked, I looked at his IMDb page and I realised yeah. I'd actually seen quite a few of his films. Yeah,
0: they're good.
1: Um, and I really like him, and I, and I just thought, like... Uh, and Parasite, definitely, I think, win one or the other. Yeah. You know, but both was just kind of like... It's sort of crazy, because it is a really good film. Yeah. I don't think it's his best film. Mm. Um, and I think that the first half is definitely much better than the second. Mm.
0: The first half is very, very well set up. It's very so if funny. It, if it had won
2: Best Picture and not Best Foreign Language film, that would be even more insane, wouldn't it?
1: Yes,
0: okay. Yeah, that's the problem. Maybe. But Also, also there not... wasn't... Well, what other film do you think should have won Best Picture? Because the one <laughs> that swept fair. up the rest of the awards was 1917, but... It seems to have nothing to it besides, oh, here's one long tracking shot.
1: No, see, I thought 1917 was an incredible film. In terms of um, what is cinema, what is... Right, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you you couldn't do that as... No. I mean, I saw it in IMAX. Oh, right, And I found it incredibly overwhelming um, and... um, and also because it was set in World War I, there's yeah. not really a lot of modern films. It's normally World War II. Yeah. And I felt like I hadn't really, I'd never really considered like what trench warfare was really like. Mm. And I thought it did a really good job of showing you a world that is kind of like um, not really deeply that explored these days, and also they did it in such a cinematic way that it
0: was cinema. Do you know what I mean? It's the only thing you can do. So I think actually, probably nineteen seventy. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I haven't seen seen it, but I just uh, yeah, well, when you was, see it, yeah. Either
1: watch it on the biggest screen you can. Yeah, get as close to a small screen as you can. Because <laughs> I just thought I thought it was I thought it was. But do you know what I mean? It was like, Have you ever seen the film Gravity with Sandra Bullock in it? I have
0: seen Gravity.
1: That is like a that is kind of like. A coaster that's like a theme park ride, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really gimmicky, and you kind of, you watch it, uh, and then you go, well, that was good, what are we going to have for dinner? And (laughs) it's like a one-watch. You watch it, and then you never think about it ever again. Yeah. And I thought with 1917, it was sort of like gravity in that respect, except for it stuck with me for weeks, and I felt like because it was attached to something like World War One, it was sort of educational, you know... I just found it. I, th- I, found, I thought it was a really great film, and I thought, from the point of view of filmmaking, the way that they made it was actually just really innovative and uh, and interesting. And I didn't even. I think that there's an Alfred Hitchcock film called Rope.
0: Oh, I've heard of it.
1: Which is sort of like the whole film is in one shot. Yeah. And it, although it's like a, I think it was fifties or sixties, it's, it's it's very yeah. sort of like gimmicky.
3: Hmm.
1: And um and I think a lot of the time when they do these sort of like uh one shot kind of films, it does come across as gimmicky. But I thought it actually served the purpose of the story in Fair, so
2: Yeah. Cool. I also I think Parasite no one predicted it would win.
0: I think I the Oscars like to do that. I think they because every they always like to go against what's been winning a bit. The same happened with the revenant Everyone thought The Revenant was going to win because it won a lot of other awards. <laughs> the same happened with, I can't remember which was Three Billboards maybe, and uh, another one, I think. Um, yeah, um, they, they kind of like going against the grain a bit. Do
2: you apply any kind of... is When you're betting on Oscar stuff, are you also trying to apply some sort of rule to it, or are you just having a bit of fun?
0: I try to apply a bit of a rule, trying to see what kind of thing the Oscar body like. What kind of thing? I knew the Revenant was definitely not going to win because it was a divisive win. What won that year was it Moonlight or was that? I don't was, think that was
2: that year. Was it, was it Spotlight?
0: Uh, one of I think the, it may have been Spotlight. One of those. Yeah, there were a few where it was quite obvious it was not going to be that because it was too divisive a film, and the Revenant is too divisive. And actually, the Oscar voting system is it's a preferential vote. People don't know this that it, everyone ranks their lists, and then it's like what do you call it, alternative votes. So ones which are very divisive get get knocked off, and the one which is everyone's second favourite film is the most likely to win, probably. Yes, yeah. There's also that thing,
2: isn't there, where you're not supposed to have two actors or act- actresses from the same film in the
0: category, because otherwise they tend to cancel. Really yeah, out. They, they're all very strategic about that, so they push hmm. people for different categories.
2: It is interesting, man. It is interesting. Yeah. So now, now you're not rusty at poker anymore. Yeah. Does it now feel quite? This is doable. I can make yeah. money. I'll be fine doing this for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it feels quite good because I I basically didn't do much poker for the last three years while I was doing. I was focusing mostly on comedy. I just moved to London about four years ago, and I said, "I'll I'll focus on comedy for now. I'll put poker to the back burner." And it was just too busy to, to play poker. So that's why I got rusty, because I was playing a bit every every few months, but not not really getting into it. God, it's funny.
2: So then, by that
0: reckoning, is the amount of money you
2: earn based on how much nerve you have in putting money in?
0: Sort of, yeah. You do, there is a lot of nerve. You do have to take a lot of risks. It's a, you know, people who are too conservative, you have to enter that part of you which is willing to lose a lot and... People who are too conservative don't make as much as people who take the bigger risks.
2: And you have a confidence that you will be all right in the end. You're like, it'll be all right in the end. I might
0: yeah. lose it now, but I'll get it back. Yeah. On every... So on every given day, the graph could be really up and down. But as long as you zoom out and then it, it, it is slightly going upwards. So it could be going up and down, but if it's slightly going upwards, then yeah, then that's... that. It's the same as the stock market. It's, it's the exact... So it's the exact same thing. Stock market is is essentially uh, the same as poker. They're doing like, they have the same. Yeah, they have the exact same thing. So on any given day, the stock market could go down a bit, and, but you can't worry about that. On any given day, you could lose like a few hundred dollars, but as long as end of the month you're up, you're up. That's that's fine.
1: Um, so I'm just looking at your list of your favorite films, and you've got.
0: I've Surround seen. A
1: few I've seen like most of those uh, in the, in the last couple of weeks. Well, Princess Bride, Back to the Future, uh, and Galaxy Quest. I've I've watched all three of those within the last.
0: Really, week. what made you watch Galaxy Quest? Because I I come back to that every, every every couple of years, and it's just just fun.
1: I think it's I think it's fantastic. Well, why did I watch Galaxy Quest? I watched Galaxy Quest. I think because. Um, um, I was watching it with um, over the internet with a friend yeah. who hadn't seen it before.
0: Yeah, I've done that as well.
1: She'd just seen Alien and Aliens.
0: Oh yeah. And I was Sigourney like, Weaver.
1: "Well, Sigourney Weaver's incredible in Galaxy Quest as well." And it was like a Saturday afternoon, so it's like kind of like a Saturday afternoon film. Um, yeah, it's Galaxy Quest is brilliant.
0: Yeah, have you seen it in that?
1: I've
2: seen it, yeah. I've never
1: liked it as much as other
0: people seem to. But I yeah. don't. I, I feel like I'm missing something. I don't it's know why. I... Go on. I don't
1: know, you go. Well, I just think he's got one of the best Alan Rickman performances. Oh, yeah.
0: His character is incredible.
1: I always think of Alan Rickman as quite a serious actor. and then, um, But I love him. Oh, I loved him. Uh, and then it was like, when you see him in something like Galaxy Quest, it always makes me happy to know that he thought Die Hard... Was a really great roller coaster movie, and he was really proud of Die Hard. Yeah, and I always and, and the fact that he's turned up and he's having so much fun in Galaxy Quest and you know it's brilliant. Tim Allen's I, great.
0: Yeah. I think that is it. The, the The people are just having fun in it. They're not looking down on it, and they're great actors. It's a great cast, and I think it well, I like it because it, it's it's not like the best movie ever, but it it it's like representative of a time where you could have kind of movies like that, which are, you don't you can't really have a movie like Alex West now. There will be no way they release a movie like that now. It's kind of in this middle where It's both fun, but it does take the concept quite seriously, but it is a ridiculous high concept. But it takes it seriously. It takes the sci-fi seriously. It takes the comedy seriously. And you don't really have that. You don't really have those movies. They, they it's, don't also, make
1: it's like a mid-level budget as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's Just, sort
1: of about a specific... It's about, a spe- it's about Star Trek fans, basically, yeah. and, so, and, and, and fan conventions. Yes. Um, so you could do sort of like maybe like a Marvel sort of thing and make it about Comic-Con or something like yeah. that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's really... I and mean, out of those films, you know, like Three Amigos, Tropic Thunder, A Bug's Life, And Galaxy Quest, where you kind of like you recruit a bunch of people that are pretending to be a thing, and then they end up having to do it for real. (laughs) Um, It's sort of like it's the same as those films, but um, but I think out of those, it probably does it almost the best. Mm. As much as I love Three Amigos, (laughs) Galaxy Quest is kind of a. um, So it was originally meant to be directed by Harold Ramis. Was it? uh, but um, he, I, c- I can't remember who he wanted to be the lead, but I think it might have been someone like Steve Martin. Right. And, um, and they said, like, well, we're going to get Tim Allen. And Harold Ramos was just like, I have absolutely no idea how to make <laughs> Tim Allen work in this role.
0: <laughs> so he left the project and someone else came Tim up. Allen's great in it. He's great. Tim Allen,
1: he's basically live-action Buzz Lightyear.
0: Yeah. Right? And he, he channels doing like kind of William Shatner parody very well like he he doesn't he doesn't overdo it he but he is kind of a version of William Shatner
1: yeah it's without doing an impression or yeah 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 Yeah, he's, he's I think he's perfect in it um and also like all of that baggage that he brings from actually just being Tim Allen. Yeah. <laughs> and coming along and being in this film and he's acting, you know, it's the guy from home improvement that's acting opposite Sigourney Weaver <laughs> and fucking Alan Rickman and it's kind of like and he's the star. Yeah. And so they all bring all of this, you know, you've got Sigourney Weaver, who's possibly one of the um most famous and iconic uh science fiction stars mm. of all time. Um uh, and she was in Ghostbusters, right? And you've got Sigourney Weaver, and then you've got um, uh, you've got Alan Rickman, who's like this uh, serious thespian, yeah. and um, and you're relegating her to kind of like the one that has to wear a push-up bra and have like blonde hair, and he's kind of like got this fucking ridiculous head headpiece on <laughs> the entire film for the entire yeah. film, and then you've Even got when he's Alan, in the kitchen You've got Tim Allen as like the, the action hero lead and it's kind of like all of that feeds into why the film is sort of like, successful as well. Um Oh yeah, Harold Ramis wanted Alec Baldwin
0: to be. Baldwin, that. okay, interesting. Um,
1: and there's also so when's the last time you saw it, Ken?
0: Like a few weeks ago, yeah. I watched so the, it with a friend who's never seen it. My you know two bit, friends.
1: You know the bit when they go on the deck where they've got all of like the uh crushers. Oh that, the crushers, yeah. And uh, so there's a bit, and so you see it, and it's really complicated. Yeah. (laughs) And then Sigourney Weaver goes, "Well, screw that." (laughs) If you look at her mouth. She's actually saying, Well, fuck, fuck. that. Right? <laughs> and, um, and then at the last minute, they said, We're going to make it into a kids' film. Uh, yeah. So they took out all of the swearing and she had wow. to re dub it. But you can, she's saying, Fuck that. <laughs> I didn't that. Actually saying it. <laughs> um, and the other thing was that the company that made it, they thought it was going to be uh, a fate. They didn't think it was going to be very good. Mm. They didn't get it. Uh, so they didn't market it. And yeah. uh, then uh, when it came out, it was a massive flop because uh, nobody knew about it. Yeah. And then later on, the marketing team apologised to the, to, the, to the film and said, sorry, we didn't market it. It was our fault.
0: <laughs> they always do that. They always do that.
1: It's crazy, but it lives on in our hearts. I think it's a great film.
0: Yeah.
2: You've also yeah. got, amongst your favourite things, Ken, Star Trek Next Generation. Yeah, I've been re-watching... <laughs> huh? Oh, no, I was just going to say, we're talking about Galaxy Quest. Do you only like Star Trek Next Generation? No,
0: I, I put that down because I think I've been re-watching it over the last... Um, it's on Netflix. I've rewatched some random episodes. Uh, I like Star Trek d 6 quite a lot. d 9 okay. I think, is really good. And I've, I'm not actually a big fan of the original series. It's a bit too old for me, I think. But sure. it's kind of nice. Think
2: we're talking about this. I always think that Star Trek fans seem to like, like one Star the Trek other. The Next Generation now more mm. than they like
0: the regular... Well, I grew up... When I was, like, 10 to 15, it started an generation was on every day when you get home from school and you just watch it, like, 5 p.m. or whatever, Sky 1, just watch an episode, and they're just, yeah, it's great. Um, I think I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm in that generation. The next generation. The next generation. generation. <laughs>
2: No, you, are you a Star Trek fan? Would you consider yourself yeah.
0: a Star Trek fan? Yeah, I'm not hardcore. I don't go to the conventions, but I watch a lot of it. I've seen probably every episode, or at least most episodes, and I watch, a watch lot lot every films. series. of I Every series? Probably not every series. Not, like, Enterprise. I don't watch every episode of Enterprise. Which um, is weird, because that,
1: that was Scott Bakula, wasn't
0: it? yeah. And I love him. And He's great. I, Quantum Leap.
1: The fact that you got another series after Quantum Leap was kind of like a real victory. And then it's yeah. kind of like Enterprise came out and I just never watched it. It's crap. Like, it was bad.
0: It was just bad. They kind of forgot what was good about Star Trek. There's a, I saw a great video about it and how the guy, the, guy, the guy in charge at that point just wanted sex and violence and didn't really know what, what Star Trek was anymore.
1: Have you seen Star Trek Picard?
0: I have. Didn't, didn't, didn't like it.
1: It's terrible.
0: Yeah, bad. Really weird. It's just not at all the same.
1: Well, just basically, Patrick Stewart didn't want to make it.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can tell. <laughs>
1: they said, um, they said, well, what if we give you creative control? Yeah. And he said, sure. And then he sort of made it. He said, I'm going to make it all about Trump and Brexit. And they were mm, like, what?
0: Very odd. It's Very, very un Star Trek.
1: <laughs> well, there's swearing in it as well. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very weird. It, Just kind of like, I I don't want to watch Star Trek and have a load of swearing in it, which is ironic because I swear so much. But like, um, (laughs) like, they they even mention in one of the Star Trek films, oh, it's um, Star Trek 4 The Voyage Home.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: in the future, they've sort of like phased swearing out,
0: yeah, yeah, Spock doesn't know how to swear,
1: And, and then you've got Star Trek Picard when they're all like saying, uh the fucking arrogance of the fucking... dude, And it's just like, you go, what? What are you... what that's... Uh, yeah, anyway, I t- it just looked weird. Yeah. And, um, and I think Patrick Stewart is very good in the role. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he should be...
2: No. Patrick a... Stewart had the same thing in the film Logan where in that film, it was R-rated. So it was like an X-Men film where they're suddenly allowed to swear anymore yeah. for the first time. So you have that scene where Patrick Stewart, out of nowhere, just goes, and I'm fucking 90! And <laughs> no, you go, blimey, that's come out of nowhere.
0: <laughs> that is fun. It is, is fun. It's fun to see people swearing. Patrick Stewart is a great... It's just... It's such an interesting that he did that, like, The Next Generation. Like, he's just... And it's he just gives it... Well, rewatching it now as an adult, you realise, like, knowing a bit about acting, oh, he's actually just doing really good acting all the time. He's just very good at this role.
1: Hmm. But, also, also, but also, it made him, do you know what I mean? Yeah. He yeah, was it sort did. of like, um, he was in sort of like some BBC Shakespeare ad- adaptations. Yeah. He was a
0: Shakespeare guy.
1: And then all of a sudden he's in Star Trek and it's just like, fine, I'm going to do that until the fucking wheels come off. It's like, yeah. And and then through that...
0: X-Men. It's just like... X-Men.
1: I mean, he should have been Mr. Freeze in a better...
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now that's cast Austrian bodybuilder Arnold Schwarzenegger against this. It's
1: mental, because you're just like, go, uh, uh, so we're doing Mr. Freeze, and you go, well, Patrick Stewart looks yeah. like Mr. Freeze.
0: <laughs> He's a bold English man.
1: Put <laughs> uh, glasses on him and, uh, and and put him in like a cryo suit, and then, yeah, it's Mr. Freeze. It's absolutely perfect. Brilliant. That's that sort. But that was it, wasn't it? That was it. was Schwarzenegger. What? <laughs> 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 it's, uh, it's crazy. What did you say that?
2: No? I'm just saying that's w- that's who it was for so long, wasn't it, in people's mind? I think those in those '90s Batman films, they were exactly like the person cast was often exactly who you had in your head, until um, until the Mr Freeze one. I don't know. It's
1: I think ev- I think everyone wanted Robin Williams to be the Riddler. Mm.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, but he was again, wasn't he? He was like the person who was going to do it, and then he didn't sign on or. Spent too long, I mean, an hour about whether we wanted to do it.
1: Mm. I mean, I, I hate those films.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Joel Schumacher. The Joel I mean, Schumacher Batmans. But
1: well, he oh, just died,
0: didn't he? Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Joel Schumacher died, what, like two weeks yeah. ago? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, But he made some amazing films.
0: Yeah, he like, made Falling Down.
1: He's not a bad director. Uh, Lost I mean, Phone boy. Booth. Flatliners, yeah, Bone booth, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's not lost a, he's voice.
0: Lost. Yeah, he's yeah. he's got a good resume. It's just like everyone who goes into a superhero movie has, who hasn't done that kind of thing. Just can really, it can go any way. It can go any way.
1: Yeah, but also like uh, Batman Returns was so dark that um, mm-hmm. McDonald's has got were furious with Warner Brothers because <laughs> it was such a dark film. You <laughs> know, it's got like um, the. The penguin like biting someone's nose, oh, and yeah. blood squirts out. Yeah, it's and then very. And again, there's all this like black and green bile that's coming out of his
0: mouth. <laughs> I watched that when I was eight or or something. I was like, oh, what, what the hell is this? I still think it's sort of like a kids' film. I still enjoyed yeah. it as a kid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But
1: like when you watch it through, it's even it's probably worse as an adult. You watch it. It is. Again, I watched yeah. it last year or this year, yeah. and it's sort of extraordinary
2: some of the stuff it gets away with. He said, on fire. You know,
0: Pushes her out of the window
2: and then she's just yeah. lying there, and all the cats appear. Danny DeVito says to Catwoman, "Just the pussy I was looking for." <laughs> it's all that wow. kind of all the way through. It's all just that kind of oi, 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 for a, 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 essentially a kids' movie. The, the yeah. jokes are kind of just dirty.
1: So all of all, all so they had like all of these. Hap, they had a Happy Meal deal with McDonald's uh, <laughs> <Bob laughs> yeah. where they were trying to shift like, these little Catwoman toys and Penguin toys, and it's just like kids aren't allowed to see the fucking film. Do you know what I mean? It's so violent, and there's murders in it, and it's just like, oh, right, okay. So when Joel Schumacher came along, they said, whatever you do, don't do what Tim Burton did. So he made it sort of, like, family-friendly. He
0: also made it a as hell.
1: When it was a success, when Batman Forever was a success, they said about, like, uh, Batman and Robin, or you can pretty much do what you like because you've just proven yourself. No, they were just like, right, we made loads of money on Batman Forever, so now we just want to do toys. And so Batman and Robin is basically a toy advert.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> which, which is the. I mean, it tries so hard to be as inoffensive. Yeah, as part, there's even a line in it where Arnold Schwarzenegger says, uh, "Kill the heroes," and you go, "That." I mean, that's a bit on the nose. <laughs> Do you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> God, heroes. It's, it's so bad. What could the dinosaur the ice age? Like,
0: is, <laughs> and they throw everything into it. They throw, they got Bane, Batgirl, they got Poison Ivy. It's like everyone's in it. They just God, throw God. everything God, God. in.
1: Such an absolute pile of shit. And, um, well, so you also, right, so Back to the Future, right? I watched Back to the Future recently. Yeah. That, I think that is one of the all time, uh, out of like a handful, I think it is a perfect film. Me yeah, too. that's, that's uh, a yeah, I saying, agree.
0: Though. We're, in, we're in the same, but it's just so tight. Like every every moment, it is like perfectly structured and like builds into it.
2: Every and moment pays off. Yeah. Everything from the first half gets paid off in the second half. It's just
1: so tight. There's yeah. no, no nothing wasted in that film. Yeah. And it's um it's um, it's but I watched it two weeks ago and I hadn't seen it in a while. But I have seen it sort of like... I see it once every four years or something like that. Right, yeah, yeah. But I watched it... I watched it it two weeks ago. And I don't know whether it's because of, like, the political uh, environment that we're living in. It is quite weird, sort of like, watching films that you've sort of grown up with and then watching them now, now that it's been sort of like a a shift in society. Yes. But Back to the Future... I mean, this is the first time I've watched it where... I've really considered the fact that the main plot of it is his mum is trying to fuck him.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's like there's no avoiding it. That's the main yeah, plot. Yeah. His mum yeah. is trying to fuck him.
0: It is odd. It's like, oh, that's just in a a kid, pretty kid-friendly like, blockbuster movie. Yeah, that's just that's just there.
1: And then, in order to sort of win over, uh, get George McFly to to go out with Lorraine he's going to sexually assault his own mum in a car. That
0: is, that is pretty really fucked <laughs> yeah, up, yeah. Yeah, so that's that,
1: the bit where you kind of go, yeah, that is a bit... Uh, I, yeah.
0: I
2: mean,
1: I, I'm not, like, saying, <laughs> there's anything wrong with Back to the Future, right? <laughs> I can deal with it. I watched the <laughs> film. I'm an intelligent person. I can t- contextualise things. It's fine. But it was the first time I watched it, and went, she really wants to fuck him. Yeah, that's uh, that's that sort of, and she's sort of undressed him in her bed. You don't know how much <laughs> because, she's in. yeah
2: Do you think there's meant to be an element to it as well that when he sees his own mum, Lorraine, as a young person, that the audience and he's your he's your audience identifier figure, you're meant to go, "Oh, she looks all right." Like when you see her first yeah. young, I think you're I meant, think meant to go. Wow. Yeah, that. I do think
0: that. Yeah, I think there I is think that, are you? So he's like, also...
2: He's the audience, but he's also her son. <laughs> so he's kind of, on one hand, you're seeing her as he's seeing her, and going, oh, she
1: looks good. Well, they, they should be together. <laughs> like, George McBride... George McFly is a, a peep, like, he's a peeping Tom. He's a pervert. George McFly is not a hero. George McFly is a pervert. He's, a, he's
0: an incel. He's a complete original incel. Like
1: Martin McFly is outgoing, adventurous, <laughs> brave, you know, he's creative. Got he's banned. brilliant. Everyone wants to be Martin McFly. No one wants to be George McFly. It's just, and go like, oh, it's because he's a nerd and he's, you know, been bullied. No, he's a pervert. He's <laughs> like spying on women getting changed at the beginning of the film. That's why he get, falls out of a tree. Do you know what I mean? It's just not like, he's like an awful, he's like, a, he's, a, he's a bad man, George <laughs> If I was Marty McFly and I travelled back in time and Leah Thompson from 1985 was my mum, I'd have sex with her. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> not a doubt in my mind. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd, I'd take uh, extra pu- uh, plutonium with me as well, so that I could uh, go back and forth. <laughs> make, <laughs> make a a good weekend, night, sweetheart. Make a weekend of it. It'd be like a good night, sweetheart. <laughs> instead of uh, instead of bigamy, uh, he's having sex with his much younger mum. Um not a good night, sweetheart, but we're <laughs> incest. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just Throw uh, that in
1: absolutely disgusting um so uh oh and princess bride, yes, um, I saw that maybe last week. you're a fan, oh, I love it, yeah, well it's my i well two days ago, I watched stand by me,
0: mm, I've not seen that
1: um, and oh god i I forgot like how emotional stand by me is, but i um. I don't think I've seen Stand By Me in two, 20 years. And I watched it. I'm so old now that you can say, I hadn't seen it in 20 years. <laughs> I <laughs> that cried a bad time. To, from beginning to end. I just thought it was absolutely devastating. The reason I mentioned Stand By Me is because it's Rob Reiner.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And Rob Reiner directed yeah, Princess he, Bride, he Spinal
0: on A good, a good 80s.
1: I think he's better than Spielberg. I think, mm. Rob Reiner, I think Rob I mean, just made films that were absolutely incredible. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, Spielberg's got a specific thing, right? But
1: but I feel like I'm being manipulated uh, by mm. Spielberg. I mean, yeah, he
0: is a master manipulator. That is basically what it is. Like, he is a master manipulator.
1: But you compare something like uh, Stand By Me with The Goonies. Right. And it's sort of like, I don't... Uh, Spielberg only produced it, but you can kind of like you can feel him all over
0: the Goonies. Yeah. Well, who was it? Was it Chris Columbus or one of those? um, One of Richard Donner. Richard Donner. It was Richard Donner, yeah.
1: It's it's, Um, it's basically it's the same film, isn't it? Stand by me and the Goonies. But one of them is kind of like it's like uh, when it was the Goonies, it's just kind of I when I was little, I didn't want to be another kid that was going on an exciting adventure. I wanted to be Indiana Jones.
0: Right, yeah. I didn't
1: want to be some kids pretending to be Indiana Jones. Yeah. Which is what the Goonies is to me. Yeah. But when you look at Stand By Me, you go, that's, that's absolutely, that is an incredible
0: movie. Never say it. You should go and watch to. it. Go and watch it, Ken. I've seen better of it. Do
1: you know what? Not, that's my gift to you today. Okay, I'll,
0: I should yeah? go watch it.
1: Yeah, it's my gift. It's my gift to you. You go and watch, Thank, Stand, Thank by like you. Blight, watch Stand By Me. Thank you. Princess Blight, What Stand By Me. It's by the same guy.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, right, OK, we are running out of time. I'm really sorry, Ken. Thank you yeah. for coming on the show. No, for nice having me. It's been know. fun. We're gonna play a game, all right?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: It's pretty high stakes. I'm gonna hand you over to Nathaniel. Oh, yeah. It's the game, Ken.
2: It's called Better or Worse, and you have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the previous person, based entirely on my own opinion. So you earn oh, point if you guess my shit. opinion.
0: Okay. I try to think. Starting what? with Uma Thurman.
2: You. Uma Thurman. Yeah. Is Catherine Zeta Jones better or worse than Uma Thurman? Worse.
0: I'll go. I I would say worse.
2: Worse, correct. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, better or worse than Catherine Zeta Jones.
0: That's better.
2: Better, yes. Jamie Lee Curtis, better or worse than Tommy Lee Jones? Better. Better. Better.
0: Ooh, I don't know.
2: Richard Curtis, better or worse than Jamie Lee Curtis? Oh, worse.
0: Gotta be worse. worse. Gotta be worse. Better.
2: Richard Gear, better or worse than Richard Curtis? Better. Better? Ooh, I think might go worse. Ooh.
0: Yeah. I don't really
2: like gear. No time for gear. Oh my mm. god! You're not meant to like him! Richard Dreyfus, I suppose. Richard Dreyfus, better or worse than Richard Gere. Better. 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 Julia Louis Dreyfus, better or worse than Richard Dreyfus. Better. 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 Julia Stiles, better or worse than Julia Louis Dreyfus. Mm. Worse. Worse. Julia Roberts, better or worse than Julia Stiles. Better. Yeah! I think that's a
1: nine! It's a nine! I think that
2: it's
3: a is nine. Sure. It's a yes, nine, sure. but that's
1: only because you... I mean, that's your fault, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> Who, Who likes Richard Carpenter? It's better than Richard Ooh. Gear? that's better. You scored a nine, which means you're not as good as Jen Brester and Jason Lanford with ten, but you are as good as Harry Hill and Luke Morley with nine, and you're better than Susie Dent, Magical Bones, Henry Normal and Johnny Vegas. So, oh, wow. you're absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you're not it's quite it. It. at the top of the leaderboard, but, um, but you're doing pretty well. Um amazing uh, well, Ken, welcome to the clubhouse <laughs> uh, uh, that's uh, that's how i'm gonna uh, that's how I'm gonna um, sign out all <laughs> this
3: no,
0: uh, great it's not creepy it? Okay. A- hell well
1: <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I didn't think it could, I didn't think it did come across as creepy. I thought uh, just balanced that just right. We're going to say goodbye to you now, Ken, but don't actually leave because okay. uh, we need to take a photo with you at the end Good. Um, but I've been Nick Hill I've been Nathaniel Metcalf and this has been
0: say your name Ken oh I thought you were going to say the, the name of the show or you had some sting Ken Chang
1: <sighs> slick as fuck so uh, <laughs> keep that fan mail coming in and uh, we, will, uh, uh, we won't see you, but you'll be listening to us. Uh, well, I hope you'll come back. Listen to us. Later. First World of all, the Fan Club, tell your friends. Second World of all, the Fan Club, please tell your, tell your friends. Um, come back. Uh, we'll see you next week. All right, thank you very much. Goodbye.